Thank, thank you. And um, I'm going to read here in a second. So just remain standing. I was at a meeting this week and Louis Giglio, he was, he came and he was talking to a, our group. And this is the song that he brought up. He said that when they wrote that song, because I think he's the one that wrote that song. It says that when they wrote that song, it was birthed out of their experience with God. This song was birthed out. Now we can use it as our experience. He's been my way maker. He's been my way maker. Oh, <laughs> Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we will read it. I have a few verses. So you may be standing for a few minutes, but it's okay. Check to make sure that your, your, your watch is counting the steps while you're standing. So. I'm joking. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, verses 1 through 13. 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about this, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what I want to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his son and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called an Abinadab, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, and the Lord said, nor has I chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought him. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel 
the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. From that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Samuel then left Aramah. Let's pray. Lord, your word is quick and powerful. You did not give me this word because you wanted to select another random word to speak. You gave me this word because somebody needs to hear it. So I pray that your word will take root in the hearts and hearers of those who are here in our presence and those who are online. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the kids are coming over. Is that the case, Paul? You said the kids are coming over? Okay. All right. It's good to see you. Glad you're here today. <clears throat> For the last couple of weeks, Pastor has been talking about all in. First, he said, all in on your commitment, all in on your contribution, all in on your confidence, and all in to the community. Today, I want to address you on another topic. But before I mention the topic, I have a few questions that I want to ask. And the questions I'm asking, it's not really asking them of you. I'm asking them of myself. But you could ask them of yourself too. The question is, who am I? Why am I here? Why was I created? What should I be doing? These are what I would refer to as the questions of purpose. A search for a calling. The Webster Dictionary defines a calling as a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. Conviction of divine influence. You see, growing up in church, at, la at least every once a month, I would hear a message that provoked me to contemplate my purpose or my calling. Totally unknown to me, in the midst of such message saturation, God was working in me and helping to refine the calling he had on my life. The passage I read earlier, though you may not have heard it referred to, when it comes to calling, I believe it speaks specifically to a calling of somebody who was specifically called for a purpose. Addressing the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 and following, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. That sounds like intentionality. I, I, I knew you, he said. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah said, Sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and wherever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rest, rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out and he touched his mouth and said, I have put my words in you. I have appointed you. Before you were born, God had a purpose. Now think about it. Think about it. I, actually, I'm going to propose a statement to you today. And the statement is this. Since God is so intentional about what he does, 
He has a calling for every life under the sound of my voice. Online or in the room. Since God is so intentional, he has a calling for every, every life under the sound of my voice today. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans. That sounds intentional to me. So I want to speak on the topic of all in on your calling. There are many things I could say from this passage, and a few others I'll bring in today. But I want to touch on three things specifically. The first thing I want to speak on is, you can deny that calling. You can dishonor the calling. Or you could devote yourself to the calling. And I'm telling you, everybody listening to me today, God has something that he created you to do. And it could be multiple things. The Bible tells us that in Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 to do that God called Jonah and told Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Immediately in the next verse, we are told that Jonah did not want to go to minister in Nineveh. Therefore, he boarded a, a ship, a boat, and he fled to Tarshish. Okay? God came. God spoke to him. He didn't want to do it, so he decided to go, I guess, well, it sounded like he went north. Okay? I thought about it, and then I said, now that's a bold-faced decision. It reminds me of something that happened just a few days ago. Thursday night, we were at home, and the kids, they had got off, gotten off school half day, and so we were at home, and we decided to watch a family movie. We wanted to have a family movie night. Needless to say, everyone was excited, so Avian found a movie, and we all grabbed our blankets and all tucked in, and were ready to watch the movie. When I looked across, I noticed that Amari was, he seemed a little bit perturbed. He was upset about something. had no reason why he was upset, but he was upset, and he stood on the chair, and then... Amari ran off, and his mother shouted to him, I don't know about you, but I don't know, but have you ever called your kids and you wonder if they're deaf? Because Amari, Amari was this close, and his mother shouted his name three times, and Amari did not respond. Like Jonah, I think some of us have heard the Heavenly Father's instruction, but we have chosen to do life our own way or create our own path. Who cares what God says? Not because he's not throwing down brimstone and fire and burning us when we go the opposite direction. That doesn't mean that he... That doesn't mean that he's... He approves of us going the opposite direction. So how is that working out for you? The Bible said, God sent a great wind and created such a great storm that even the sailors realized something was wrong and they threw Jonah off board. 
Then a great fish swallowed Jonah. But before he died, he prayed and repented. In the midst of the darkest stage, he prayed and repented. The fish vomited him out. He went, he ministered, and the whole city was transformed. You see, we can choose to deny or maybe disown the calling. But like Jonah, life will be a living hell. I kid you not, it will be a living hell on earth. And we may think that we may be seeing success, but guess what? It's minute compared to what we could be experiencing. But if we refuse or disown or deny or run away from it, I, I can assure you that like Jonah, God will keep coming until we align our lives. Because the scripture tells us, before I formed you, I knew you and I gave you a calling. You see, this message is extremely relevant today. Because we have so many people that sit in pews that just show up. Okay? God wants us to do more than just show up. God is asking us to function in the lane in which he has empowered us. I implore you today, don't deny the calling. The Bible tells us another story, okay? If you back up and you look prior to the passage we read today in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you'll realize it chronicles the life and story of a man by the name Saul. The Bible tells us that the Israelites wanted a king just like the other nations. They refused to listen to Samuel. That's what the Bible said. It says God instructed Samuel to anoint Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 1 to anoint him. And in chapter 11 verses 14 to 15, it says that he renewed Saul's kingship. Okay? The people wanted a king. They weren't satisfied with God being their king. They wanted to be, a, they wanted king like everybody else. They wanted to be like the consecrated people wanted to be like everybody else. Sound like anything to you? Sounds like anything? It sounds like the church to you? At least I have one person. Thank you. But things started going downhill quickly after that. The Bible says that when threatened by a Philistine attack, it said Saul disobeyed the Lord by offering a Was Saul a priest? Saul knew what his responsibilities were. But the Bible said that Saul made an unlawful sacrifice and Samuel told him, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command of the Lord God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for a lifetime, throughout all eternity. That's what he said. But verse 14 of chapter 13 says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought after a man, after his own heart, and appointed him rule over his people. In essence, you are no longer king. I've found somebody else already. 
because you did not keep the Lord's command. And then we thought that that probably was the end of it. But guess what? See what happens again. You see a sequence of events happening. It says that then Saul made a rash oath. If you're looking at chapter 14, it says he made a rash oath battling the Philistines. He made a rash oath that put his son Jonathan's life in danger. Told the man, don't eat. If you eat, you will die. Until we win the battle. God didn't tell him to do that. Have you ever felt like you're in charge when you're really not in charge? Have you been asked to do something but you took ownership to the point where you don't even follow the head anymore? You see, it's okay to follow the calling, but there's a difference in understanding that you are under authority. Paul did, Samuel, Saul did not recognize that he was under authority. There's one thing about running from the calling, but there's another thing about disrespecting the office of the calling. This man was disrespecting the office of the calling. God is saying that if you want to do my thing, let me back up. Before I formed you, I knew you and I gave you a calling. If you want to execute that calling, Matt, we've been talking about the tabernacle in your class. And even to the curtains, the color, the width of the curtain, every specification. Didn't he give every specification? He gave down to every living cord, he gave specification. What do you think happens if we use a, a yellow curtain instead of the purple curtain? I, I want it a little bit brighter. Give me some give me yellow. I want, I want purple. It's funny, huh? But that's what we do. Is that what we do? Okay. We come in with our strange offering. I don't, I don't want that. What, what, Isaiah said, what kind of fast is that? I didn't declare that kind of fast. You see, in our, in our desire for independence, we're railroading the plan. I'm young, okay? But, 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 but I understand the younger generation that we want to do things our way. But there's something about holy way. Going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and God said, and God said you can't come into my presence like that. If there's something that Southern Hills is going to be known for, is that we're going to do God's things, God's ways. And tell you what, when we do that, you'll look across and see. Look across and see. You're going to see that you look different from everybody else. I kid you not. Watch and see. Said that Saul... Then we go down. So that was, he put his son's life in jeopardy. Thank God for the people who were there. They ransomed their son. They said, you're not killing your son. They took the boy and ran away with him. You're not killing him. God didn't tell you to make that decision. Then Saul, then Samuel told Saul, now go attack the Amalekites. Now, this guy got so many opportunities. But he was in charge. 
did it my way. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy them and all that belong to them. Do not spare them. Put them to death. Men, women, children, infant. I read this and I, I, I said, God, you really did that? But that was the instruction. So Saul defeated Amalek. Listen to this. Saul defeated, verse, um, what verse am I in? You can't get it. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Saul defeated Amalek. But Saul and the army spared Agag. And he spared the best of the cattle, the sheep, the blessed of the produce. He spared all that and said, guess what? I'm going to spare this. Is that what God told you to do? He said, kill everything. So he said, you know what? Let me just, these are some nice fat cattle. Man, look at that corn. Look at the head of that corn. He destroyed everything that didn't look good. And the things that looked good, he kept those. And you want to know what his excuse was? God, I did it for you. I'm going to make a sacrifice to you, God. That, isn't that what he said? That's exactly, is that what God told him to do? God's things, God's ways. God's business, God's ways. God's plans, God's ways. Because before I formed you, I knew you when I gave you a calling. We are only stewards. We are not owners. The difference is, when you, if you're still paying for your house, okay, you don't own that house. I'll tell you that. The bank owns it. Whoever you get the borrowing money from owns it. It's the same thing. It's God's house. It's God's body. Now I'm getting into places I didn't plan to go, okay? So, if it's God's body, and if it's God's temple, that means you only put what God wants in it. Huh? Is, that, is that correct? That's correct? Which means that we have to revisit what we put in it. If it's his. Let me jump on to my final point. This is where I want to go. I've said all of that, and that was close to an introduction. It's pastor, you know. It's pastor. He did it. I mean, all of us are like him now. He's an amazing man. We love him. So I tell you, Saul was given that opportunity, but he, he, dishon he dishonored it. I put here in my notes that he was an embarrassment to the calling because he felt that he could do whatever he wanted, however he wanted. Then I found this verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. It says, it's time for judgment to begin with God's household. No, that's not my word. See, and I didn't just pull it out of context. You see, God wants to make an example of his people if he's, going to make a, if he's going to make a good representation to the people outside. He's, he's not going to do it any other way. 
So my third point is this. This is the point I hope to sit on for a little bit. I need to remember that today's Super, Super Bowl Sunday, so just, just stay with me, okay? The game is later this evening. Just stay with me. The text that we have in front of us, it said that a few sons, God told Saul to go to Bethlehem. He told him to go there and he will see this family and he's going to anoint one of the sons as king. You got to understand what's happening here. Okay, I have three kids. And whenever I pray, I typically say Arya, AJ, and Amari. Whenever I refer to them, I say Arya, AJ. There's a reason I do that. You know why I do that? That's their birth order. I like the way God works. Sometimes God tells us to come to the front of the line. I know you're number three, but, but come to the front of the line. Look at what happened. Said Eliab comes up. Eliab was Jesse's firstborn son, and we could see that in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 13. The firstborn son had priority according to the Torah's law or the Torah. The firstborn had priority. So when, the, when, 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 when Jacob was blessing the, the grandkids, he was blessing them. And that's why it was contradictory because he, he, he switched his hand and he was blessing the, the younger one with the blessing. Okay? In the order of God and in God's priority, the older one goes first. That's why when... When Leah and his, sister, and his sister was about to get married, when, when all of that was happening and Jacob was deceived. Well, he's a deceiver, but when he was deceived and he got the younger daughter, well, he got the older daughter instead of the younger one because he wanted the younger one. But the dad knew the first one has to go first. Well, I didn't want the first one. I want the second one. So he got both. So don't do that, guys. Don't do that. Just one. Then second was Abinadab, Jesse's second born. Notice, Jesse is sending the most likely candidate before Samuel one by one by one. And he went through all three of them. But God said, when, when Eliab came, God said, the physical act, God said, I'm not looking at his appearance. That sounds contradictory, though, because when David came through the door, they told us about his appearance. <laughs> but I knew what God was saying. See, the physical act of anointing involves the application of anointing oil. But what was happening here was something deeper. You have your oil, Tony? Thank you. Can I borrow it? What was happening here was deeper, okay? The Lord's anointing refers to a person set apart by the Lord for a special role. Before I formed you, I knew you, and I gave you a calling. Thank you. You understand what's happening here? He was anointing with the oil. He was anointing him with the oil. But the truth is, what was happening was, be, was greater than what was happening with the oil. The scripture tells us in the New Testament that Jesus is the, uh, 
anointed one. If you're sitting here and wondering if God really chose you and if it's important, this verse should change your mind. It is extremely important. Debbie, God could have chosen Joyce, but God didn't make Joyce for your job. So why are you sitting and waiting on Joyce to do your job? I know you're not doing that, but I'm using it as my example. Why do we sit back and wait for somebody else to do the job that God has placed in our heart to do? I know you're shy. I know you're timid. But you're just going to let the kingdom just limp because you are not holding up your part? The scripture tells us that we are blocks, our bricks built upon each other to make this building. That's what the scripture tells us. And every person in this place has amazing, significant value. You know what, you know what value Amari add, adds to our life? You should see him in action. Amari's doing what Amari's supposed to do. I'm serious. He's doing what he's supposed to do. If he fails to do what he's supposed to do, then he fails to be Amari. Now, Tom, if you fail to be who, you fail to, who you're supposed to be, then you fail to be Tom. Because God knew your name before you were born. And he says, Tom, I want you for that job. Tommy, that's your job. The Lord's anointing, anointed refers to a person set apart for a special role. That you, when he put together everything, he said this, I want this role done, so I'm going to, I'm going to make William. You see, God did not design a person before he designed the role. Isn't that strange? God did not divide, decide the person, then he decided the role. No. He decided the role and he said, guess what? In order for this to be accomplished, in order for this choir to swing so sweetly, I'm going to bring forth Jennifer. And Jennifer, I know you don't know it now. I know you're only two years old. But guess what? You're going to be a choir director. Yeah, he did. The Lord tells Samuel not to look at Eliab's appearance or his height. Saul was an... Remember, when the scripture tells us about Saul, Saul was handsome. He was handsome. He, said from, he says from, from here up, he was above everybody else. That means he was, I was about to say dull, dark, dark, tall, and handsome, but I don't know if he was dark, but I know he was tall and handsome. He was. So if you're reading scripture, just connect the points. That's why here, that's why he said here, says, he says, Saul is an impressive young man who's from his shoulders up 
word was higher than all the other people. If you look at chapter 9, verse 2, and look at 10, verse 23, but these characteristics have not made him a good king. Handsome, beautiful, does not make you a good person. It doesn't mean that you could do the job well, and that's the problem we have in our society. We select people based on their charismatic skills. Oh, he likes to talk, and he, he's good around people, but does, is he qualified? Is she qualified? Dark, sorry, tall and handsome. Flowing here, flowing, it blows in the wind. God help us, please. The king is looking for something else. He's looking for something deeper, something greater, something richer. He's looking for something that he deposited in there and he wants to bring it out. You see, God chose you. God called you because he knows you're capable. I know you don't know it right now. You don't know it right now, okay? Because you can't see what God sees. You can't understand what God understands. But he called you because he knows you are more than capable through him to do exactly. Jessica, he knows you are more than capable to do exactly what he's called you to do. So that means you are God's choice. You are not his backup plan. You're not his plan B. Have you guys ever heard Matt Moore teach? He's amazing at what he does. I think it's a calling. I think he's been anointed to do what he does. And I've told him multiple times, I'm not telling him something here that I didn't tell him. I've seen people around here, the way they do what they do, it's just second nature for them. And I asked him, I said, I said, I said, I said, have you always? I said, no. He said, he's not naturally like that. You know what I'm saying? You don't select people based on their charisma and all those kind of, you select people by, on, based on their calling. Do you see it in them? And I think God has anointed him, set him apart for those kids that he's ministering to every day. And not just that. He brings the same, the same energy, effort, and, and excellence to it here in our classroom at church. That's a calling. And he could not be doing anything else and be at peace. Because that's his calling. And he's doing it. I mean, I, I, I wonder sometimes, man, he shows up and he shows up because his calling drives him. It drives him. I saw him this morning and he sat there and you could see, you could see, you could see that, you could see that he goes beyond even just a regular book. He loves it. He wants, to, he wants to be excellent. So he goes beyond and prepare himself, beyond the regular material that they give him. That's a calling. God chose you, Delbert. God chose you, 
And when you were playing out there, he knew that he wanted here. He knew. He's not a surprise to God. God doesn't see you like men see you. And I'll try to wind down. I'm halfway through my pages. God had, Samuel had a problem. You have to understand, Samuel had a problem. Because God said, I'm going to send you to Jesse. And one of his sons is going to be king. Was there ever, was there ever a, a, a family meeting and you, you weren't invited? Huh? That's what happened. Was, was there, a, was there a, a celebration going on? A, a major feast for the family and you weren't invited? When I read this, my, uh, my heart quaked. He was the youngest in the house. And they went through, and this father, the father of all persons, sent seven sons, and it seemed like it, he only had seven sons. The prophet had to ask him, do you have any other? Say, yeah, yeah, I want to take care of the shepherd. He didn't even give him a name. Seems insignificant. Don't, don't you give a name to things that you like. We call, we call, we, Celeste. She bought a car. The car gets a name. Celeste. She loves her car. No, no, seriously, it seems funny, but don't you name things that are important to you? You don't just refer to it. Samuel inquired, and Jesse said, Yes, there remains the youngest. It's not just, it's not just, he's emphasizing his order, his birth order. There remains the youngest. He's not the one you're supposed to. He doesn't even qualify to be the one anointed. First, the father didn't even mention his name. Second, he wasn't even invited to the feast. And third, he didn't. The, the prophet had to ask him to go bring the child. You may be in that position. You may be in that position. Family members don't value you. Not much esteem. That's just a silly one. He's crazy. He won't amount to anything. He's just like his old good-for-nothing trash dad. He's dumb, or she's dumb like her mom. Won't amount to anything. You may not be intellectual or well thought of among in the family circle. You may be despised by others for your faith. Perhaps you had only a little share of the love of your family. We see it in the Bible. It's not, the Bible is a, it's like a drama, like, what do they call it, soap opera? You read it? I mean, I get some enjoyment from reading this thing. <laughs> 
She deceived her son. Look at that. She tell him to put on sheep here or camel here to deceive dad. Man, that sounds like days of her life. But just remember this. Those who are rejected by men are often beloved by God. See, all throughout the scriptures, I see God using riffraff, outcast, people who didn't make the grade. Matthew was hated by all, tax collector. God bring him in so he could run the finances of the kingdom. It's gifting, sanctify it, and use it. Calling. But in the wrong house, bring him over, sanctify it, and use the calling right here. But notice. As a shepherd, it says that David was out keeping his sheep while the feast was going on at home. David was simply doing the job that his dad asked him to do. So, so what profession are you in? What exactly are you doing? What profession are you in? Matt Moore, you're a teacher, aren't you? David was out there watching the sheep. Understand what's going on. Understand because the things that we think are not important are extremely important. God does not waste time. He does not waste time, and he does not waste your experiences. So David was keeping the sheep. It shows that the fact, as a matter of fact, it shows it meant that he had a lot of time to think. Just imagine if you're watching sheep, what else are you going to do out there? There was no cell phone at the time, just so you know. No cell phone. So what do you think he was out there doing? Probably counting the stars. God made that one. God, oh, that looks like, I wonder if that's Jupiter. Maybe. Wow, look at that handle up there. Man, God is so good. I, it's probably where Psalm 19 came from. When he said, I look into the heavens. When he says that God has created the heavens. I imagine that that's where those things were birthed. He was out there, but it was, you want to know what it was? When, when, when he was watching those sheep and taking care of the sheep, what do you think he was learning? Where do you think Psalm 23 came from? Huh? The Lord is my shepherd. He understood what that was. So what are you doing? Now, what profession are you in? That every day you get frustrated with it teacher? Well, he's not frustrated because he's using it. He's using it for the kingdom. How can you use your experiences as a part of your calling for the kingdom? How? Oh, hey, Matthew. Remember, Matthew was just taking people's money and making sure. He was very good at making sure that the finances were fine and he was tax collecting all those things. When he brought that to the kingdom, do you think the kingdom needed an accountant? It is a 
it is an organism, but it's also an organization. So what do you have that God can use for the kingdom? They thought that because they were poor and they couldn't find a servant or pay for a servant to watch the sheep, the youngest son, by order, was doing it. And he thought that he was doing a job. Now, now shepherds were the lowest of the lowest. I hope you know that. And so he was out there, and they thought that he was out there doing the lowest job. But he was being prepared for the highest calling. I'm going to wind down. I have two more pages, but I'll try to just do one. <clears throat> the passage says that Samuel sent for him and had him brought in. It says that he was glowing with health. I don't know how you could see that we're looking at somebody. But it says that he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Remember, God does not look at the outside. He looks on the inside. So it's not that God is saying that beauty, something is wrong with beauty, or if you look very good, or you look handsome, or you look pretty, that God is saying that you're disqualified. No, no, no. He's saying that, guess what? That is secondary. That is secondary. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. See, throughout this passage, it's very clear that the Lord is the one who does the choosing, not Samuel. God does it. Not, not your mother, not your father, not your daddy, not your uncle, not your pastor. God has already made his choice. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence. See, this is the first mention of David's name in this story. You notice that? He was the key character. <laughs> he was the star of the movie. But you're finding out his name at the end of the movie. Would you want to watch a movie like that? So who's that? He just keeps showing up everywhere. and I mean, he's winning all the battles. Oh, his name is David. The Spirit of the Lord did not only come upon David, but remain with him from that day forward, permanently. So could it be that you've already been anointed for the task? Or could it be that the calling is present and maybe You're sitting. On uncontrollable power. Could it be? Could it be that you're more powerful than you're letting on? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be, Tommy? Could it be that you are Hulk? 
but nobody knows it because you're not green. I'm, I'm trying to get my point across. Sees him there, it's a simple man, but when the lights come on, he turns green and he bursts the clothes open. Could it be that you have that power, but you don't even recognize it? Super Bowl Sunday. Come on. See, I grew up in church. And I could invite the praise team to come up. Now. See, I was, I've been in church all my life. All my life I've been in church. As I grew up in church... I didn't go to church every Sunday by choice. But because that, as I now see it, was part of my parents' daycare plan. At age 14, I accepted the Lord in my heart as my personal Savior, 14 and a half. I was full of zest and wanted to do everything I can in the church. I served in every department in the church except the women's ministry. And the only reason I didn't do that is because I would not qualify to serve in it. <laughs> I was in church every time the doors were open. I remember one night after leading praise and worship. It was our annual crusade. It was closer to the end of the year, and I was leading praise and worship. At the end of the service, I came down, and I was walking out, and two ladies came up to me, and they said, if... I had the money, I would send you to Bible school because I see a preacher in you. I laughed those two ladies to scorn. I literally rolled on the ground. I spent the next six years after that running from the call of God. I tried to do everything I could. I was very successful in my job. I was working in a job where it was very successful and I had, I had I told God what I wanted to earn for my salary and God gave me that and more so it was it was going well and things were good at age 18 I became the second in command to the general manager in the company 18 years old man I was rolling Every time I attended a Christian public service, the Lord would have the minister call me out. I would just be there in a casual service, and the minister would say, You. And every time they just repeated the same message those two ladies gave me. In 2001, I said, Lord, I'm all in. I didn't know what it looked like. To, what to expect. Actually, I was scared. God told me that you can't do this and do what I want you to do. You have to give up. Now, some of us may not have to give up, but for me, I had to give up. I was working in a sports betting industry. 
See, God is asking you to go all in on his calling for your life. Maybe you don't know what it is right now. Just do like I did. Find the next best thing you can do for him and do it with everything you've got. It's not too complicated. You don't know what to do? Just find the next best thing you can do for him and do it with everything. It's not limited to age. Caleb claimed his mountain at age 18. Age is not a factor to God. If you can't stand, you can sit and you can pray unceasingly. There's something we can all do. Maybe you are like little Samuel. Little Samuel, in Samuel chapter 3, the Bible tells us that little Samuel did not know the voice of God. It said he was living in the house of the Lord with Eli. Eli was his mentor so that he was there. And he said he heard something called his name. He heard Jessica. Samuel, and Samuel got up and he ran over to Eli and said, Eli, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. He said, go back to bed. He went back to bed and he heard it again. Samuel ran over again to Eli and said, Did you call me? He said, No, I didn't call you. But the prophet, but the elder, the white headed one, knew what was going on. Caught, caught it right away. Not Tony, the white headed one, the gray haired one, the older among us, the Paulers, knew what was going on. And what did she say? What did he say? He got, he realized what was happening. That the Lord was calling the boy. What did he say? He said, go back and lay down. And when you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. like the gray-haired one told him to do. He said, the scripture now says that the, that the Lord moved up. And he said, Samuel! 
Samuel. where you think that I could do God's things my way. Call me to teach, I'll do it my way. Call me to minister, I'll do it when I want. Where are you at today? Or maybe you're one of those that... See, when I was young, then the Lord started speaking to me when I gave it in 2001. I went to trusted leader at the time and I said to him I said I felt like the Lord is calling as a matter of fact he was aware of all the things that were happening and the man did not even support that's my story the man did not even support as a matter of fact he had a favorite that's my story he had a favorite that he had there that had more flamboyant gifts 